gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Wednesday night for your Thursday morning delivery. Excited to talk to you here for the next hour or so. we got a fun show planned. We'll go over some breaking news that just came out through MMA Junkie. We'll also go over some of the latest news in the sport of mixed martial arts. Some of the stuff that just goes on, man. Some of the drama, some of the fight booking, some of the controversial quotes, all the fun stuff. We also got James Krause, one of the top coaches in mixed martial arts former fighter or is he still an active fighter i don't know we'll tackle that as part of the interview as well he's in austin or headed to austin that corner julian marquez been a while since we caught up with the james kraus and yeah i mean look we'll throw our final thoughts i guess for cater and and, and uh josh emmett goes and i already submitted our picks for the junkie staff picks so there's no backing out now unless we put old poor Uncle Maddie through the grinder, and he's been through the grinder, so I don't think anyone is going to switch their picks at this point. All right, we'll be right back. It's MMA Junkie Radio, Wednesday night for your Thursday, June 16th delivery. Goes, we'll start off with the breaking news. Mike Bond, Nolan King from our website confirmed with three sources that on September 10th, UFC 279 taking place in possibly Boston, possibly Atlanta. You have Aljamain Sterling defending his UFC Bantamweight title versus TJ Dillashaw. Now, I'm hesitant to say that that's the main event because if another weight class were to be on the same card, Usually, the heavier weight class is the main event. Of course, maybe Figueredo defends on that card. I don't know. So, for now, I think it sounds like a good main event, but I don't know. The fact is, it's a title fight. It's a great fight. And I guess that answered the question goes. He wasn't going to wait around for Cejudo. It's Dillashaw, and it ain't Jose Aldo either. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's a good fight. I think uh, Aljamain is still improving. I think he, he showed that he got better from the first young fight to the second. And TJ Dillashaw, there's still that little question mark there, you know? You know he's a tough competitor, but uh, <clears throat> I don't know, five rounds with a guy like Aljamain, is he going to be able to cut it? Who knows? But I have a feeling TJ probably comes in as the favorite in this one. Quite possibly. Aljamain still... Uh, trying to earn his respect out there. He saves receipts, though, goes, remember that. And, you know, getting past Peter Yan, I think he cashed quite a few of those receipts in. But, yeah, I could see him possibly showing up as an underdog. I'm not certain of it, but, look, Dillashaw did some bad stuff. EPO, that's like Lance Armstrong level, you know. It's basically, I got three lungs, you got two. And he paid the price. So we set a price of what your mistake is. We all agree, yeah, that that's fair, I guess. We could still make fun of him. But, uh, 
you know, that that's kind of what all the athletes, you know, it's kind of sad to say it's not what all the athletes agreed on. The UFC just said, bam, you saw it as here. But anyway, you guys know what I mean. And then he came back and he beat a stiff test in Cody Sanhagen. Hurt his knee on the way. So I guess you can't really say he got gifted. And did he pay enough of a price? Some might say, hey, I would have wanted TJ to fight one more cat while someone that fought clean or at least hasn't been popped, that person can benefit, like a Jose Aldo, for example. So Hudo might just be a little too late to the party because I think he's probably about, what, maybe two, three months in. I guess by the time September gets here, it will be six months. But you got to start promoting the fight. And then you got to promote it in good faith that every – that Sahudo will be ready by then, you know. Plus, I mean, maybe the UFC just didn't want him to walk back into a title shot. I don't know. I think anyone that's part of the Jose Aldo campaign, they have a case, but the decision's been made. Yeah, I think it's odd. Um, it's just, it's one of the worst things you can do in the sport. I can only equate it to, like, in life, there are different reasons you can go to jail. But murder is one of the worst ones, right? He committed murder in the sport. Like, you just don't do that. So for him to kind of get, like, a slap on the wrist type, uh, I, for me, it sits bad with me. I would have thought one more fight would, would make sense. But, hey, man, I mean, they're all about making money, and this fight makes money. Yeah. <laughs> Jose Aldo, excuse me, folks. Jose Aldo, I promise you I want to be here. That was just a COVID yawn. There you go. I think I can still play that one off. Jose Aldo, are you doing that on purpose, or is it true that when someone does it, the, the next person does? No, it's true. Oh, okay. Yeah. Could it be that just saying Peter Yawn triggered that? Could be, yeah. Hmm. Jose Aldo sounds like he's fighting uh, Marab Davishvili. At UFC 278. UFC 278 is the fight card on August 20th in Salt Lake City. So it's about 20 days before the one in September that could be in either Boston or Atlanta. That hasn't been confirmed. Salt Lake City's headlined by Kamar Usman and Leon Edwards. Anyway, so Aldo was ready to go. There's no questioning that, you know. But, you know, it could be that the UFC said, hey, Aldo, you're the man. But we kind of did give you that shot at the vacant title when it was you versus Peter Yan. So back off a little buddy. Like we've given you some love. Now Aldo might say, yeah, but when Conor McGregor iced me in 13 seconds after having a seven title defense reign, you sure didn't come back to me right away. And then the UFC could go, well, true, but he wanted to go up and fight RDA, which became Nate because RDA hurt his foot. And then of course he lost to Nate. He fought Nate again, and then he fought Eddie Alvarez, who defeated RDA when RDA came back. So, you know, I just wonder how much they go back and forth and kind of it's a give and take. You know what I mean? And maybe this time Aldo, Aldo just had to give and he couldn't take. But I thought Aldo had a good case. At first when he said it, I was like, what's this cat talking about? You know, but then I looked, he had a three-fight win streak, man. He had a three-fight win streak. I was like, oh, okay, Shit, you know, so if it's only you against Dillashaw and the court of opinion doesn't like Dillashaw too much, Aldo might have a case, but it, it didn't work out that way. Dillashaw's in. That Murad Davis really fight, I'm not too sure about that one. I feel like we'll know the answer to that in the first, like, two minutes of that fight. 
like absolutely know in which direction it's going to go. But uh, early on, odds-wise or who I would pick, man, that's so tough. Jose Aldo just – I think he's kind of turned a little bit of a corner mentally in his game. And um, he just doesn't seem to be showing his age as much as other fighters in that situation. Aldo, don't forget that the Salt Lake City fight will be at 5,000 feet elevation. So it's not five rounds. It's only three. Davishvili is a cardio machine, man. Um, that one will be interesting to, uh, to break down as we get closer. But pretty cool that we have matchups like um, Munoz versus O'Malley, Cheeto Vera versus Cruz, Davalishvili versus Aldo. This one we just talked about, Sterling versus uh, Dillashaw. And then uh, I'm not even sure if Sanhagen has someone booked. But there's there's also a Corey Sanhagen that's floating out there and probably a few other cats I'm forgetting about. But exciting, exciting times for the Bantamweight division. All right, here's another thing that I just came across when I was perusing MMA Junkie before the show. Donald Cerrone goes, this is going to be his 48th fight. He wants to have 49 and 50 and then retire. Now, that's not overall fights. That's just USC. Well, sorry, Zufa. Well, Zufa and IMG. So that covers his WEC and UFC career. He says he wants to put a number out there that might be hard to break. Are you interested in seeing Cerrone fight two more times after this one? Like, hey, credit to Cerrone. He put in his time. He deserves to be called a legend by some or just a respected veteran by others or whatever you want to call him. He never became a champ. He was always a contender. He fought for the title a few times. Uh, he had his own shtick, super popular. Came to the studio a couple times. Chill guy, right? But, like, there's... T I know there's a lot of other fighters that would have wanted to do that, and they haven't gotten that opportunity. You think the UFC just kind of owes it to him because he was that late fill-in guy for so long? I would say so. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't know that you want that on your hands. The, the thing about Donald Cerrone is when he loses... He does not look good at all. It's, so there's times where you just wonder, is his head even in it? And I don't I don't enjoy seeing that. So as cool as it would be for him to do that, I just, I don't know, man. Like, I almost get uncomfortable when I see Donald Cerrone fight, especially in a, in a bigger fight. Yeah. I guess we'll take it fight by fight, right? I mean, if Lozon, if Lozon for example, outstrikes him, Cerrone's in a little bit of trouble because Lozon's a grappler who, picked up striking cowboys a kickboxer who picked up jujitsu so this this fight will tell us a lot i like taking the fight by fight i think you said it right you know like hey look if you're getting clowned man we can't just be out here break records because you want to break records at the same time right you know when, when the time's up the time's up i mean he does get a bit of a pass because he was the ultimate team player but um you know I don't know. I feel bad. I feel. I, th I thought Diego Sanchez should have finished in the UFC. Of course, he had that problem with the whole with, with the manager and the mentor or whatever, and they cut his ass. Now he's down there at Eagle FC, which, by the way, he seems to be happy. But uh, maybe maybe everybody just can't get a, a fairy tale ending. Whatever. Um, Greg Hardy now has signed with the Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships. Wh what do you think of that signing? Well, for what they're trying to do, I think it. 
it makes sense. You know, he's a guy that, uh, an imposing figure that wants to go out there and bang. It's just, I'd love to find out, like, what is it he's making? Because based on that, I could tell you whether it's worth it or not. And I have to imagine it's probably more than what he's getting in the UFC. That seems to be par for the course over there. So I don't know, man. I don't know how they make up this money. But they're they're picking up some good good fighters. People, I think, would tune in to see Greg Hardy. Um, bare knuckle. But Jesus Christ, man. I, I don't know how they pay these guys. <laughs> well, they must have a lot of monthly subscriptions. And then the night of the fight, maybe they could pick up a lot of pay-per-views. Who knows? But David Feldman just seems to be expanding, you know, international and more shows and bigger mm-hmm. name fighters. So props to him. Zabit Magomed Sharapov goes, he has notified the UFC of his retirement. The last time he fought was Calvin Cater. It was over two years ago. Maybe we're even pushing three. He looked good. He was fading, but he beat K- uh, Cater in the main event. And But since then, he has not fought. Now, at first, we had heard maybe injuries. Of course, there's the whole russians having trouble getting in and out of russia because of covid then because of the war i guess then his heart wasn't into it then he's coming back then he wants to become a doctor well whatever it is now uh it sounds like he's now just told the ufc hey that's it i guess that means you know get me out of usada and um i'm just being up front with you stop reaching out to me with with offers because i'm done that's a shame because he's super exciting to watch and he had a lot of talent. Um, but I have to imagine he's such a serious cat that I feel like if he says it's he, it's time and he's done, then that's, that's just the way it's going to be. I don't see him coming back. And that sucks for the UFC because, you know, he's a younger cat with a very fun, interesting style that people would love to watch. Uh, I think the UFC took a little hit there. Would you love to go to a Halloween party with him and he's Abe Lincoln? Yeah, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Jessica Andrade agrees to fight Manon Fioron at UFC Paris. Aim for Fioron. She is going to replace Caitlin Chukagian. I like that matchup. I really like Chukagian against Fioron. And she can't go, so up steps Jessica Andrade, who I thought was going to focus a little bit more on straw weight, but maybe with the whole, it's so clogged there. Like you, you, you got to believe Nama Yunus is going to get an opportunity to get her title back at some point. Zhang Wei Li seems to have solidified getting next. And of course, we're always talking about Marina Rodriguez, who's on a nice little run herself. So maybe the writing was on the wall for Andrade. Uh, she steps in here to fight Firo. I like that. Yeah, like, Andrade doesn't get the uh, the credit that she deserves just because the girl's at the top, you know. But she has a win over, uh, what's her nuts, over Rose. So she could put something together. It's just, I, I, I don't know. Things don't always seem to uh, to go her way. Like, she can never really get things on a streak, per se. But uh, I tune in to watch her fight. Like, she's, for me, she's like... Uh, like a Calvin Cater, someone like that, or a Cub Swanson, where I, when I see him on the card, I'm like, I don't care who they're fighting. I got to watch. And for me, that's who she is. Yeah, I would agree with that. So she, mm-hmm. That's slam, man. That's one hell of a way to win the title, by the way. 
I was, that, that might have been, I think, about three years ago or over three years ago. Time flies, dude, when you cover the sport. Let me yeah, tell bro. you. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I'm telling bro. you. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Because think about it. She beat Andrade. Andrade beat her, I want to say, goes May of 2019. And we're in June of 2022, which would make it over three years ago. Then Zhang Weili lost to... Why am I guessing? All I have to do is look it up. This is interesting to me, folks. So you're going to have to be patient when I say I'm just going to Google it. So let me look at it here because I want to be, I want to feel like I, I was close. But, whenever I hear you say a date, I know we're going down a rabbit hole. Yeah. All right. Jessica Andrade won the title in the following day. Oh, go. She was born on September 25th between you and me. Uh, here we go. She beat Rose Namajunas with the KO Slam at UFC 237 on May 11th, 2019. I got that right. On August 31st of 2019, she lost to Zhang Wei Li. Yeah, and then after that, her and Rose rematched. It wasn't for the title, and Rose beat her in a split decision. That's why they're one and one. Then she moved up to flyweight and fought Caitlin Chukagian in October of 2020. Then in uh, April 24th of 2021, she challenged Valentina Shoshenko. So she brought a lot of equity as a strawweight champ over to flyweight, took out one of the top flyweights in Chikagian, got the shot against Shoshenko, got TKO'd in that one. Then she fought Cynthia Calvillo in September of 2021, and then she beat Amanda Limos in April 23 of 2022. That was her return to strawweight, except now she's going back up to flyweight. So, yeah, she's been busy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. It's time to catch up with the James Krause. We're going to talk to him about a variety of subjects. So this should be fun, as it always is. He's always an open book. We'll be right back with one of the top coaches in the sport of mixed martial arts uh, over at Glory MMA and Fitness in Lee Summit, Missouri. He's going to be cornering Julian Marquez this weekend. He, as far as I know, is still an active fighter or maybe he's retired. I don't know. We'll find out. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Gozer back with James Krause, one of the top MMA superstars in the game. He's a gym owner. He's a fighter. He's a coach. He does it all. Welcome back, James. How you doing? Good, man. It's been it's been a minute, but I'm glad to be back. Glad yeah, be man. Back. Great to have you here. We're rocking the white T-shirts, you know, keeping the theme. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta rep sometimes, you know. It'd be like that. It's hot out here, man. You gotta you gotta be able to breathe. Yeah. Are you already in Austin now? No, my, I'm going to leave for the airport in about an hour. Ooh, oh, okay. All right, cool. So just Marquez or is somebody else uh, fighting on that, on that card? Just Julian. Just Julian this time. I looked on the card. There's four middleweights fights and two yep. welterweight fights. So I want to ask you a question. What's your current weight? I'm just curious. Uh, I didn't check after class. I've been sitting at uh, you know 190 after practice. Okay, so I think uh, you could easily make the middleweight fights, but the welterweights, yeah. you ain't trying to drop 20 pounds in four days, right, or five days? No, nah, no. Nah. No? Okay. Probably not. M middleweight I could do, but I don't know. I did it one time, and now everybody thinks I'm a middleweight. I'm not a middleweight, so I'll, I, you know what I mean? Like, I just because just I fought middleweight doesn't make me a middleweight. But, but uh, you are a businessman. 
I bet yeah. you it was just a little bit of leverage. You were there and you're always in shape. Like you told us pre-show, yeah. you just, you, you're, you like, you're a gym rat, you know? And yeah. here's the funny thing. I was like, well, he can't fight the Marquez fight. He wouldn't fight his guy. But I go, well, what if Marquez just, God forbid, couldn't go? You know the strategy already to beat the other guy. But anyway, we'll, we'll leave that to the side because we don't want to wish injury on anyone. But could some, could something crazy come up like that? Do you even think about it when, when you when you are there? I mean, because that's three uh, middleweight fights that you could sub in for, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to – like, I'm not actively looking for a fight or anything like that. But, I mean, dude, for me – uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a tricky thing for me, right? Like I, uh, I feel like everybody has a price and I, I would be lying to you if I said I didn't have a price and, uh, but I, I, I am fulfilled if that makes sense. Like if I never fight again, I'm a hundred percent good with that. Uh, I'm fulfilled with what I've done and what I'm currently doing. Like, I feel like I have a clear cut transition of, uh, you know, going from fighting to coaching, I'm happy with, with everything. Uh, like I don't have a super desire to jump back in there, uh, more so than anything. I don't have a desire to do that, you know, an eight week camp. Um, but if they offer me enough money, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in shape. I'm always in shape. You know, I, I, I train these guys every day. I did three sessions this morning. Uh, and then I did, uh, hour technique, half hour live goes like I'm, I'm in good shape. You know what I mean? Like, so it's not that it's just, I don't really, I lost that desire to like grind for, you know, six, eight, 10 weeks. I just don't want to do that anymore. And I'm getting my, my, uh, fix by, uh, you know, coaching. I, I really enjoy it, but everybody has a price. And, um, if, uh, if it made sense for me financially, I would, I would, I mean, you guys know, if you guys, you guys have been interviewing me long enough to know that I would for sure do it. Yeah. You just turned 36. So I did a rewind and I go, well, since the age of 30, you're five and one. Like these, it seems like this is the maturity of the mind and the uh, athleticism of one's body meshing, right? Yeah. Kind of like that late 20s, early 30s stage. It's different for everybody, right? So you may yeah. not be, you may not be able to run a 40 yard dash as quickly as you did when you were 18. But when you were 18, you were stupid and probably skip practices, whereas now you know practices are important. So we're meshing the two. So you've been a clear five and one between 30 and 36. You just turned 36. And and that's why I wanted to ask. It's been about a year and a half since you fought. Just yeah. is, is, there's just always the, the window is slightly cracked or you're 99.9%. That, that, everything people like to say, but you would do it if the price is right. It seems like at least we've, we've committed to that, right? Yeah, yeah, I would. Listen, I, it's because you don't me suck. Because... Five and one is legit. <laughs> In fact, by the way, the last three have been Brazilians, so you know Kobe yeah. and, and Chael have been rooting you on. But the uh, the one has an asterisk on it too, so let's not forget that. Uh, <laughs> I I uh, listen. There's three things that I that I set out, and I think this is super important. I just talked about this with my team. I think all fighters should should have this discussion with themselves whenever they get started, and should probably have this discussion with themselves regularly. I think I think you need to to determine what you need emotionally, not credentially, emotionally, what you need from this sport to be able to walk away from it. Right. And, uh, I guess there's, there could be some credentials mixed into that, but I feel like a lot of these guys get mixed into the, the, the rabbit hole, right. Where they can't get out of it. They're in a spider web and they just can't get out of it. Like they have to fight to pay their bills or whatever. And then they lose. And then they feel like a loser because they self-identify with the result. You know what I mean? Like for me, fighting is not my, like, it's not me. It's not my identity. I'm like, 
when you think James Krause, you think I am a fighter, but it's like, that's not my identity, right? Like I do other things. Like I'm, own, I'm, I'm, I'm my own person, you know what I mean? And uh, the result of my fight, of my last fight does not dictate whether I'm a winner or a loser. And uh, I think a lot of, a lot of the fighters identify with that. Like they're, if they won their last fight, they feel like a winner and they want to feel like a winner more because eventually that goes away, right? That feeling that they get on Monday, everybody's like, Oh, you crushed it. You killed it. You know what I mean? Like that goes away and they want to feel that again. It's, 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 it's like a, it's like a drug addiction to be honest with you. It really is. I mean, that's a dopamine addiction. And, uh, but then when they lose, they self identify with that and they feel like a loser. So they don't want to feel like a loser. So what do they do? They fight again to, to feel like a winner again. Problem with that is, is at some point this all comes to an end, right? Like, so they're chasing this white rabbit that doesn't, it's, it's just a revolving, um, mess and they don't have the skills you know whether they're fighting for money they're getting older or whatever they're just not who they once were and they they kind of saturate their their skills and it's just not there they're fighting for the wrong reasons so i told you that story to tell you this story a long time ago i set out and i said i wanted three things from this i wanted to uh i wanted to go out on a win i wanted to become financially free uh from mma and I wanted to be able to dictate whenever I was done, not have like the UFC nudge me and be like, hey, bro, you've lost three or four in a row, whatever. You should probably move on. You know, as it sits right now, if I'm done today, all those boxes are checked. So every time that I would fight after that, it would put that at risk. So in order for me to put that at risk, it would have to be a very hefty paycheck. Got it. The most important thing I got from that, and it's so true, you said, even though you won your last fight, you already knew you were a winner. So had you lost, you know, you're not a loser. I mean, like, it's all really here. You know, the the career speaks for itself. So I think that's major. And I'm glad you're having that conversation with your fighters because it's like um, when I watch the NFL, you draft a kid that just got out of college, man. And they're so raw, you know, and before it was just like, all right, we'll see you at practice or whatever. But now it seems like, they take them more like as investments. And so they educate them, you know, the, yep. which are some of the, the troubles to, to stay out of. We have a security team that can help you if you're ever in a pickle where there's people, counselors, mm-hmm. things like that. And uh, so it seems like you're kind of creating that that environment at your gym. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it is this is professional sports, uh, no matter how you want to chop it up. And of course, 95 percent of the people that come through, they want to be you know, they want to be a champion. I'm going to be a champion. Well, the reality is, is less than 1% of the fighters are going to be champion. So, but that doesn't mean that you can't be successful and not be a champion. You can't find an interview of me saying that I want to be a world champion. I've just, I've never cared about it, to be honest with you guys. And I know that's an unpopular opinion. I get people, oh, you shouldn't be fighting if you were the blah, blah, blah. Dude, I don't give a shit what you think. Like, I've never, that's never been important to me. For me, this has always been a platform to build other things right? And I wasn't sure what exactly that was, but it's, it's, I think I'm a great example of somebody that can be successful in the sport of MMA without ever winning a title or even coming close. I don't even think I've ever been ranked in the top 15. I beat top 15 guys, but like, I don't think I've ever been ranked. So uh, I think I'm an example of that. And that's, so if, listen, if less than 1% are going to be champions, like, then how do we, I gotta, you know, I gotta coach to everybody. Like I want all my guys to be successful. So it's not necessarily about fighting there. There's definitely the fighting game, but there's also another game to be played. And it's like, how do we become financially free? How do we do what we love? How do we, you know what I mean? Like, how do we wake up and be, get excited about our day? And that just comes from like the self-identification of the result is super important, right? Like the majority of these guys just self-identify with winning or losing. It's like, if they lost their last fight, they feel like a loser. If they won their last fight on top of the world, 
and they feel that way until the next result, you know, but problem is with winning, you know, as well as I do that, that will wear off. Right. It always wears off. Right. And uh, then they want to search for that, you know, that, that hit again. And uh, they go, they fight again. And it's just like, you can't get out of the, the perpetual cycle of that. But, and it's because they self-identify with the sport. It's like, I'm James Cross, the fighter. No, the sport fighting is a platform for me. It's not who I am. If that makes any sense. Got it. All right. Another thing I wanted to discuss with you was judging the last, actually 2022, man, a lot of stuff's yeah. come up. Holman, yeah. Vieira, Esparza, and, and, and uh, Nama Yunus, you know, so there's, yeah. there's just been a lot out there, right? Yeah. Even yeah. last weekend, Shevchenko and Santos. How about as a coach, are you going to adapt to the system? Like, are you trying to figure out what the judges are, are doing? Which I'm sure you're well aware of the scoring criteria, but I have to I have to bring it up. Not all fighters seem to be aware of what the scoring criteria is. So, like, are we all kind of yeah. lost? Because we're, we're basically at at the uh, we're at the hands of judges and how they're interpreting those set of, of yeah. criteria. You know what I mean? And, and it's different yeah. judges all the time. Yeah, the problem is, is there's no consistency. That's the, that is the issue, right? Is uh, like, okay, like one week they're valuing control, the next week they're valuing damage. So what I've been trying to do is I'm trying to get information on what judge values what. Like historically, does that judge value damage or does that judge value control? And then on fight night, I'd see the set of judges and right. I'll know whether controller or damage is valued. Uh, so that's one thing that we're currently doing. Um, but dude, it's, it's such a, uh, it's such a shit show to be honest with you, because like I said, it's not, uh, I don't, I understand that it's going to take a lot to get the, the rules changed or the judging criteria changed, or it's going to take a lot. I get that. But the thing that I'm after is consistency. Like, are we valuing damage or are we valuing control? Like uh, Molina, another great one, Jeff Molina. Like, if you're valuing damage, he won that fight. If you're valuing, if you're valuing control, he probably didn't win that fight. You know, but it, dude, I just want, I just, just tell me the rules, and I'll play by them. I just want to know what they are, but they can't change week to week because right now they're changing week to week, month to month. I don't know which one it is. And uh, okay, cool. If you're gonna keep changing them, at least tell me if I'm winning or losing. You know what I mean? Like at least tell me and you know if you don't want to do open scoring then let's create more of a consistent scoring system then. you know what i mean like there just has to be consistency across the board and that's 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 all i'm saying and if you're not going to be consistent okay cool at least tell me if i'm winning or losing give me open score you know what i mean like there has to be some consistency uh across the board here to me in my opinion right now it's just it's it's so up in the air it changes week to week and it, it dude, the problem is is also i think a big factor in this is there is zero accountability from the judges I'm accountable as a coach, right? Like if I mess up, you guys will be the first ones to hammer me. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, but like, that's your job, right? Uh, my fighter holds me accountable. Like, dude, you put a bad game plan together. Okay, well, I'm held accountable. The fighter is held accountable to do what he's supposed to do. The promotion is held accountable to put on a good show, organized, right? The, the, uh, the referee is held accountable. His face is out in front. But the judges, there's no face. They have no face, right? Like if you said at the end of every fight, if if I had to hold up a card that said a 10 or a 9, I guarantee you those dudes would think a little differently. Because right now, the way, the way like I'll give you an example. 
and this is just going to show my bitterness towards the thing, but when I fought Giles, and it's not even the fact that I lost the fight because the fight was close. That's not what I'm talking about. But the fact that there was one judge that gave him the first round after I controlled this guy's back for over four minutes, if that guy had to hold that scorecards up and say, you, I lost the round, like, what? How, how, you know what I mean? Like, there has to be some accountability. And that judge, he judged the next weekend and the week after that and the week after that. There's zero accountability on judging. I just think there has to be some, some accountability. They're getting paid. There's no reprimand, uh, no reprimanding for poor judging. There's no, you know what I mean? It's just, there's no, it's left, it's left for massive interpretation and it's, it's terrible, man. There's no consistency. Uh, there's, it's, it's just stupid. And you can listen, you can tell me like, Oh, do we know the judging criteria, the scoring criteria? Dude, you can say that shit until you're blue in the face, but when it changes week to week, you know what I mean? Like, it, dude, like damage, like I can give you, 10 examples of one where they value control over damage. And then I can give you 10 examples where they value damage over control. There's just no consistency. So it's really hard for us as a team to, to figure out. It's like the rules change every week. Just tell me what the rules are. I'll play by them. I just need to know. Now, just to be clear, would you say, though, that the rules are there? They don't change them? It, it appears to me that damage is at the forefront over everything. I but what maybe you're trying to say it's the interpretation of the judges that changes from week to week, maybe. Well, you can't listen. If 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 uh, I can give you five examples of recent fights where damage was not put to the forefront. Can you? Uh, I'm going to go back and review one of those. Can you give me one right now? I guess, and I'll review it. You know, after the interview, I'm, I'm just curious. Um, I'll I'll text you after. I, okay. I don't have anything off the top of my head, but like for sure. I mean, 100 percent there. Are, right. There's, yeah. There's a. I can give you many examples of that. I'll text you as soon as I as soon as I get off here. I'll give me three minutes to think about it, and I'm sure I'll come up with a few. Yeah, but it's, like, it's not. It's not. They're, they're, it's dude. I understand that damage is at the forefront for sure. It should right. be, but I'm telling you, that's not. It's not always like that. It just isn't. You know. And and at what point does damage? At what point does control overtake damage? It's gonna have to be a lot. It appears like it's gonna have to be a lot. Um, I can't figure out ten eight. I can't figure out ten eights. I thought Aljo had a ten eight over Jan in round two, but they only gave him a ten nine. That same ten nine is the same ten nine Carla beat Rose with in round one. Like those don't seem like equivalent. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Okay. Does two and a half minutes of control beat damage? Yes or no? Okay, so if so, like a, we'll say a body triangle, I got your back or something like that. Sure. Okay, if I haven't gone for any sort of submission attempts and you're fighting off my hands, but you can't get out of my body triangle, I'm always reacting. I'm switching my triangle. I would say that if the other guy got lit up a few times before that, the damage overrules it. If it's about four minutes, then you really, really have to think That's about the problem. The over okay, the, we, over you, there was, but there's a ninety. You just put a ninety second discrepancy in there. Your number is different yeah. from. Sal Diamato's number, different to Tony Weeks, or you know what I mean? Like whoever's whoever's judging, it's gonna be different on everybody. This and that, true. there's no, you know what I mean? There's no, it's just like that yeah, there was literally right. a 90-second discrepancy in there, and that's a large percentage of the round. You know what I mean? Like that's a large percentage. So at what point does dam does control overtake damage? I don't know. You know, right. Like, yeah, and then and then what is control? Mystery. Is control holding somebody on the fence? Is control back like there's just so much left for interpretation it's hard to get specifics but you know at what point does control overtake damage like okay cool if i control your back for if i control let me ask you this if i control your back for 30 seconds but i win the striking does that does that account me to win the round 
No. You won the striking and controlled my back? No, you and I are fighting. I have your back for 30 seconds, but you beat me in the striking. Do I win? No. Okay, one minute on your back. Yeah, of course. Of course. Let me keep going. One minute on your back. No. No, two minutes. Have you been getting under my chin? I mean, have you been close and I had to, like, pull you up? No. No. Three minutes. No. Four minutes of control? Three and a half. About the three thirty-four minutes, if you controlled me, and like I say, at least you're if you're getting under my chin, you know, um, following me. Like if I go belly down, and like you're Aljo, Aljo was never weeks. Aljo was never really close to subbing Jan. He just controlled his back for three minutes, or for four four minutes or, or whatever. Four, yeah, I think he may have gotten under one, but still, yeah, that 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 that's, that's a lot. You know, that's a lot. And so I'm I'm thinking. Some judges, the ones that wrestled in high school and college and maybe have a black belt, they might be sitting there going, mm-hmm, yep, oh, yeah, I'm giving him the round. Now, the, the, the boxer guy, right, the guy that came through boxing or kickboxing. This is the problem. He may be, going, he may be going, well, he didn't do anything with it. Except, and then when they got on the feet, he took a one-two and a body shot. And so yeah. it's their interpretation. So what I always say is until we figure it out, which we never – which I don't know if we ever will um, – yeah. The onus is on the fighter to convincingly win a 10-9. And if I'm a yeah. fighter, I'm going yeah, for the 10-9. Do you think – I mean, yeah, but that's such a ridiculous – like, don't let it go to the judges. No, shit, I love – I would love to finish every fight. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't – it doesn't work like that sometimes. You know what I mean? Like uh, – Well, I'll give you an example. And I and I didn't mean this to turn into a gotcha or anything like that. No. But I'll give you an example because, obviously, I'm prepping for the interview – that's why I wore the white T-shirt because you're rocking it. But I did see I go I go back to some of the stuff and and um, yeah I watch a lot of your content. But I remember Tim Elliott saying it was one. What he say? He goes, uh, "Had I known if it was one one, I'm going for yeah. it. I thought it was up to yeah. nothing, so I chilled." And I'm like, "Man, you can't chill. You just can't take one round off." Like he should know better because he's a veteran of probably thirty some fights. You know what I mean? Like. But at the same time, here's the scenario, though. I thought we were up 2-0, and if you think you're up 2-0, the last thing you want to do is give up your back to get up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there is, there is a uh, – listen, man, if, if you think you're up two rounds to zero and you have a black belt on top of you that is really good on the back and your only way to get up is give up the back, it's not about chilling. It's about making smart decisions on – you know, we were – it was me. I was just wrong. I thought we were up 2-0, and I would have bet my house on it. Man, the fight that I was watching in front of me, Tim was controlling that fight. I, you know, looking back, looking back on the film, it was a little closer than I thought. But dude, I watched a guy controlling a fight right live in front of me. Like there was no question in my mind that it was it was it was 2-0, uh, and I was just wrong. You know, and you're 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 not wrong in what you're saying. But in my head, in the scenario that was created in my head, I thought we were up 2-0. I didn't want to give our backup to and get choked. You know what I mean? Like because that yeah. has happened. How many times have you seen guys guys down? Dude, great example. Glover Yuri. He didn't have to do he was up. He didn't have right. to go for those scrambles. Right. But he he went for it. Oh, he got his ass choked because of it. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a there's two sides to every coin, you know what I mean? Like, and now people are bitching at Glover, like, oh, why didn't he just coast? He had the well did you know what I mean? If you would have lost the decision, you guys would be saying it the other way. So there's there's two sides to every coin here, and it's just like Sometimes you just don't get it right. You know what I mean? That's just the – there's always going to be a, 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 a what if to a what if to a what if. And I don't I don't think there's ever going to be a, 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 like a perfect way to score this, right? Because it's always going to be left up to interpretation. Yeah. But if that's how it's going to be, man, at least tell me if I'm winning or losing. That's just where I'm at with it, you know?
All right. All right. Uh, I know Goes is chomping at the bit. Let me get him get some questions in, and then we'll reverse to. I I, I love picking the the minds of the 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 sharp guys in MMA. So I got a couple that are just fun ones. Yeah. But go ahead, Goes. What do you have for James Kraus? The James Kraus. I'm all in on that too. I mean, that this is the only way things can get better. So I love the fact that we can pick his brain on that type of stuff. For me, it keeps me it keeps me up at night. Can you imagine in regular in your regular life if you went to the DMV? Or you went to court and they go, today we changed the rules. We don't we don't appreciate this or that. Yeah. Like you'd be going, what the fuck? Like that this doesn't make sense. That's why only sport they, in the world. Yeah. Only sport in the world. Yeah, it, well, it's like, not. Imagine if they're moving the three point line on Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or a like, different ball. Today the ball weighs more. You know, like it, he just, needed it last game. This was the first game he hadn't made a, a three point or something like that. Yeah, so he needed yeah. it for last game. 200, 266 games. Wow. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Here's where I wanted to pick your brain. George and I, we grew up in a household that was all about boxing, right? And so we grew up watching some of the Mexican-style uh, fighters, right? And the one thing, one thing that they bring is that pressure, but they they know when it's time for a little bit of chaos, but they also know when to dial it in. You know, people think that just because they can be aggressive that they don't have the technique, and that, that's never been true, really, with some of the major Mexican boxers. So I was curious, when you got your hands on Brandon Moreno, and he kind of brings that style to MMA. Um, what did you think of it? You know, was it something that you had that was it just a big piece of clay that you had to mold, or um, is that good for MMA? I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on Brandon Moreno, the Mexican style, and how it applies to mixed martial arts. Well, I think uh, for for me, um, I don't really like try to change anybody's style. Because their style is their style. It allows them to be free. It allows them to have their own creative freedom. Um, however, you have to understand with each style comes pros and cons. So if you're going to do X style, you need to be prepared to deal with this, right? So with the with the, the Mexican style boxing, especially a guy like Marino, uh, he's very lead leg heavy, right? Which we saw in the figgy fights. Um uh, we saw in the figgy fights, he's got, he got his front leg beat up a little bit, you know? Uh, so the Mexican style, especially like when they're, they're, they're coming in like this and they're, they're putting pressure or whatever, you're very lead leg heavy. So you have to be able to deal with a good low kicker when they're, when you're doing that, you know, somebody that stays long and, uh, and kicks that calf, especially the calf, you know what I mean? So we've been dealing with that. And then uh, I, I think, like you already said this, but like kind of learning when to pressure, you know what I mean? Like when to pressure. So we've been adding a couple of things to his game that I feel like uh, we keep the Mexican style of boxing, but we sprinkle in other things. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't really like, I don't really want to dive too much into it, but like we're sprinkling in new techniques and new ideas for him. That kind of, it's like Mexican, Mexican style, Mexican style long. Mexican style, Mexican style kick. You know what I mean? Like it's just sprinkles of different, uh, different techniques and, and styles. And I think honestly, I think that's what every style should be looking to do. You know what I mean? Um, if you're a kicker, I think you should mix in some of the Mexican style of boxing and this area. This, you know what I mean? Like each, each uh, style presents its own pros and cons. And ideally, you would like to take the pros in each area of range and and all that and mesh them into one. You know, so uh it is mixed martial arts and i think every every style should have a sprinkle of of the other styles as well uh and and i think the people that could do that are able to adapt 
on, on, on guys that key in on their style, you know, like, uh, like the traditional martial artists or the boxers sometimes can be either very lead leg heavy or bladed leg. So if you're getting your leg beat up, you got to be able to transition to something else. You know what I mean? Like you have to be able to move your stance and if you can't, you're going to get chewed up. Uh, and that's just, that's just how it's going to, going to be like the one fight and this fight is old, but I was watching this fight years ago, a Safadine versus a uh, Mark Hart, I believe. Safadine yeah. chewed his lead leg up, just chewed it up. And Mark Hart just didn't know how to fight from Southpaw. He didn't have any answers, couldn't check it. Like he just didn't have any answers for that, for that low kick, you know, and you've got to be able to adapt to have in this day and age to be the best. You have to be able to adapt different ranges, different styles, and you have to be able to switch it up. You have to. I remember that fight. We had to get up kind of early for that one. So with Brandon, essentially you're making Tex-Mex, right? You're just adding a couple different spices or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll take that. I like that. Yeah. 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 All right. So I started thinking about this. Obviously he would want to fight Figgy for the title, but are there good things that can come out of maybe taking a break of just doing the same puzzle and having another puzzle to solve in the long run for his career? Could, could that actually be a blessing? Uh, From a business standpoint, I actually think it's, it's, it's better. Um, in no way, in no way am I disrespecting Kai at all. I am very, I am very aware of what we're dealing with, and uh, I do understand that Kai has gotten massive amounts better since their last fight. Uh, and in no way are we looking past Kai in any way, shape, or form. But from a business perspective, it makes more sense for if Brandon were to win the interim title, and then it it builds up the the actual fight again, right? There's a you know Brandon had to go back and fight Kai, who just beat Askarov. And he won the interim title. Now he's got to go back and fight. It just sets up more bigger fights. So from a UFC business perspective, I actually think it's a better move because um, it's going to set up two big fights now rather than just one fight that everybody's seen back to back to back. It kind of puts it, – it just pauses the action a little bit. In no way am I disrespecting Kai. I think Kai's remarkable. I think he's improved massively. Um, and I think he's very dangerous. So uh, in no way am I looking past him. Uh, and Brandon is not either. Uh, we're taking this fight very serious. Uh and uh, we know, we know he's you know what he's what he's coming for. So, but from a business perspective, outside looking in, uh, just assuming you're going to win because you know we assume we're going to win. I'm sure Kai assumes he's going to win. We both are confident that we're going to win. It makes more sense from a business perspective to set up a bigger fight later. And keeping with the business perspective, he takes pay per view points into the title unification. So, you know, I know a lot of guys like to get the bell and go, man, this ain't real. They put it down. But, oh, it's real. You get pay-per-view points when you yeah. unify. So hey, the money that, is real. Up somewhere, you know what I mean? Um, the money right. is real. <laughs> well, a couple silly things here. I was just wondering, I did the math, and when they fought in Singapore last weekend, the first fight was at 7 a.m. Pacific or Singapore time. And then for us, it was the natural 3.30 or 4 or whatever. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, if you were cornering someone at 7 a.m., Give us an idea. What time do they wake up, eat, warm up, so that they're walking in at 7 a.m.? I'm, I'm, I don't know why, but I was just curious about that. Uh, I'm guessing if they fought at 7, check-in would be at 4. Oh, man. Yeah, so three-hour check-in. Four, that's usually what it is, pretty typical. Um, I did this in Abu Dhabi. Uh, you just kind of have to adjust your sleep schedule. But, dude, my coach, Mark, Mark Montoya, put this the best way, the most primitive way you can possibly even think about this. I fought in Abu Dhabi. I fought at like 3.30 in the morning. Had to wake up at midnight or 1 or whatever it was, right? I think it was like we woke up at like 1. And uh, I was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to change my sleep schedule. He goes, dude, 
what are you going to do if somebody kicks your door in the middle of the night? You're going to sit there and tell them, hey, I need a couple more hours of sleep? Well, no, you're going to get whooped that dude's ass. <laughs> and that's just – it is it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's a fair playing field. He has to do the same. So you just wake up at whatever time you eat your breakfast. You know, if it's if the fight is at seven check-ins at four, you'd wake up at three, eat your breakfast, and just get ready to fight, right? Like fighters fight, man. Don't worry about – I just – I am so old school in this in this regard. Like, dude – I don't give a shit if it's 2 a.m., 1 a.m., whatever. If check-in's three hours before, I'm going to wake up an hour before, before I got to leave for check-in. I'm going to eat my breakfast, and I'm going to go fight this dude. That's just – what else are you going to do? What, what else are you going to do? You know what I mean? What, yeah. what, what are you going to do? You're going to – okay, cool. You can wake up 15 minutes before, not eat. That's not a smart idea. Wake up an hour before, have some coffee, get your mind right, eat some breakfast, and let's get after this dude at 1, 2, 3, 5, 7, 9. doesn't matter what time. The time is irrelevant. Check-in is three hours before. If you need to, wake up an hour before – Whooped this dude's ass. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. I guess we could ask Anthony Smith, right, Wayne? What'd you do? Uh, he, he got in a little tussle there in the middle of the night uh, a few years ago. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. heard that one, but. Hey, right, hey another he got one. up in the middle of the night and whooped that dude's ass. That's yeah. friends with him. That's exactly what happened. He got up in the middle of the night and smashed that dude in his living room. That's what happened. Yeah, he said the other guy kind of brought it at times, so it wasn't like a 10-8 until the end and when he got the yeah. finish, but apparently the other guy may have been a wrestler or something. You're back in action, man. I loved watching you at Quintet. I, I mean, you were one of the MVPs of that night. And oh, so this A1 combat, do you have a team and you're competing or are you just overseeing a team? No, no, no. Come on. You guys know me. I'm not sitting All on right. the sidelines if I, if I don't have to. I'm, I'm competing, yes. Nice. Can you tell us your team? What, what can you divulge? Of, of, of I cannot tell you my team. I cannot tell you my It's a good team, though. It's a good team. Yes, there's four of you, right? And you all have to weigh a total of 750? 750 or below, yep. So do you want one monster and three little guys, or do you want all average guys filling out? Is there all, a strategy all to that? Of our guys, uh, all of our guys are pretty – pretty. I might be – I mean, I would say between my side, like two, like between 190 and 210, 215, all of our guys are pretty, you know, somewhere in there. They're all, they're all about the same size. Now, is this like a strategy? You don't want the other team to know who you are and what your tactics are? Is this like the Royal Rumble? We find out at every No, we're just not supposed or... to say anything yet. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. <laughs> no. All no, right. It's not to do with it. I don't care. James, uh, this one's a, maybe more personal. I don't know. You always seem to be an open book. You just acquired a talent in Brandon Marino, but at the same time, a few months ago, a fighter that was with you, Dawson, I saw was with ATT. Um, yep. And it's it seems like what I've – captured when fighters go to glory mma they just don't seem to leave did this one hurt the ego or was it a good parting of the ways i mean because like like i say i've heard it over and over man kraus changed my life i'm in you know and, and then they go to the middle america and and they stay there uh yeah i don't uh, i don't know if i have a good answer for you i think he just needed to change the scenery you know we've been together for almost 10 years uh i think i I mean, I always preach you got to do whatever makes you happy, and I and I guess he felt you know leaving and going somewhere else uh, was going to rejuvenate him and and make him happy. So that's the decision he made, and you know what I mean. It's, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. I wish nothing but the best for him. Got it. Cool, man. Well, look, gosh, we went over thirty minutes. I think I had told you fifteen or twenty. Sorry oh, about good, that. Man. We just no get worries. carried away. I know you have yeah, a flight no coming worries. up. Safe travels. Good luck to you and the rest of the team, Marquez. And uh, perhaps you. we'll see you in a few weeks in Vegas. Keep killing it. Like I say, uh, everyone speaks the world of you. And, you. and, and man, what an impressive resume as a fighter. If that was really it, 
again, you left on a five and one run and, you know, and after you turn 30 and, uh, and, and you're, and you're going off of a win, but of course we've already covered that that didn't matter, but um, I don't know. It, 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 I guess it's always fun. You just being an enigma. If you get back in there, Hey, great, go for it. And if not, you know, congrats on, on a great career. I appreciate that guys. Thank you. Tom. Take care, James. We'll talk to you soon. You too, guys. Bye. Yeah, kind of to cut him off because he had to catch that flight. But listen, the stuff about the judging, I loved picking his brain. I, I think what he was trying to say, honestly, is when I mean, we don't know, we know the rules don't change, change. Like you don't show up to Las Vegas and the commission goes, okay, damage number one, control number two. Then next weekend they're in California and they go, okay, control number one, damn it. No, no. What he meant. And he kind of clarified it was we're aware that the rules have been updated in 2017, more 10-8s, more damage explicit. And uh, it's the interpretation week to week that confuses us because, you know, Vieira and Holm, Sparza and, and Rose, everything we discussed, man, just last week alone, Shevchenko and Talia Santos, man, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. Goes and I were doing a watch along. We thought it could be three nothing Santos. So Valentina winning the last two was like, uh, you may have been drawn dead, girl. Well, little did we know, one judge had it four one Valentina. That was weird. And and Santos was drawing dead going into the fifth start. <laughs> so the, the three human beings just outside the octagon, the same distance, called it differently. They all knew the rules. The rules were just interpreted differently according to what they saw. So, you know, it's it, it's I guess it's kind of sad, but what can you do? I don't know. I don't know what else you can do. You you, you cannot go and fire all the judges right now and say we're going to get better ones. Are you kidding me? There's no way that's going to happen. You can't train the judges that quick to be good. They would go through all kinds of hard lessons. Mm -hmm. and you'd have, you'd have a lot of problems if you got fighters because then people are going to start saying well wait a minute that's a jujitsu guy that's why he scored that round or he's a wrestler or you know what i found a picture of these two in a gym about 10 years ago they're probably went, friends yeah exactly he went to penn state you know he's a, he's a, he's also a nitty lion or whatever there's it's like everybody's kevin bacon in the sport have you ever noticed that goes everybody kind of knows mm -hmm. everybody or at least if not, there's a couple can, uh, steps or whatever, degrees, I think they call it. Yeah. Who's the worst? Who, who would be your best player for that? Kevin Bacon? Yeah. Just fighters? Well, yeah. In, in the fight world, who would be the Kevin Bacon? Well, Cerrone's probably got to be a good one. You want to pick someone that fought a lot. So Cerrone, because he's fought at welterweight, lightweight. I don't know if he made it to featherweight one time. No, I don't think so. Um... And he's done it for such a long time. Back in the day, you know who would have been legit is Henderson because he fought heavyweights in pride. He did strike force. He did UFC two times, and he did light heavyweight and middleweight. BJ and, Dude, this guy did a UFC tournament. Wasn't he a tournament champion at UFC like 13 or 17 or one of those? Yeah. So, like, you could honestly go, Pedro Hizzo. And then uh, you know, oh well, no, him and him and Dan shared a card in 1999. Uh, what about what about as simple as just, oh yeah, I know that guy. I've trained with him or had dinner with him. 
Mm. I know a really good one for that one. Give up? Yeah, you go. King Mo. Everyone seems like at some point they've either met him, trained with him. No. So no King Mo. King Mo started off with Dan Henderson at Team Quest. <laughs> then he went. Then he went to Rain Training Center down in Mission Viejo Lake Forest. That's the one that Chael Sonnen always talks about with Tony Ferguson and Brendan Schaub and Mark Munoz and a few of the guys from Kings used to drop down on certain days. Then he went to AKA. He knows those guys. He wrestled at Oklahoma State, so he knows the wrestling circuit and the wrestling guys. Then American Top Team, where he's been for like the last 10 years. Oh, he in Vegas. He stopped in Vegas, yeah. Trained a little bit here at Extreme Couture. Uh, Mayweather Jim, he's a good one. Uh, so you're looking for people that have kind of hit the they've jumped around and hit the different gyms, right? Right, because they would be a nightmare because then you could always say, "Well, they used to train together, or they lived." You know, you know really- what? You're right. We would always ask Mo, "Hey, have you ever heard of this guy?" and most of the time, didn't he go, man, that's my dog, right? Every fucking time. And, like, you think he's just joking, but he backs it up with a good story. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> was a dog. That might be a tough one. That might be a tough one to beat. Um, And he's personable, too, so he doesn't, like, keep to himself or nothing like that. You don't want to pick an Anthony Pettis because an Anthony Pettis has been in the sport forever. But he was a Duke Rufus guy. Only recently has he moved to UF, uh, Vegas. So he hasn't jumped around. So the tenure doesn't mean as much. It means more have you kind of jumped around. Uh, how, how about Michael Chandler? Chandler started off in right. Vegas. Then he went to Alliance in San Diego. Then he went to... Well, maybe there hasn't been that many. I guess he's, then he went to um, Combat Club. Or, sorry, now it's called Sanford MMA. So three of them. Mm-hmm. Wrestled at Missouri, personable, Bellator guy, UFC guy, so that might help a little. Yeah. We'll, 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 let that, we'll let that one simmer. We'll think a little bit about it. All right, just a couple more topics here that I wanted to pick your brain on. Sean O'Malley wants to get to the point where he makes a million a fight. He's pretty happy with his pay. He's stuck to his guns and, you know, like, hey, I don't want a tough guy until I get a uh, – a pay bump. He got a little bit of criticism for it, but it looks like he got his pay bump. Now he's getting a few tougher guys. Munoz is tough. And, but I, I look, man, I bet you O'Malley, he's pretty popular. If I had to guess, he's making 250 to show, no bonus. He wants all his money up front, no bonus. That's my guess. Because guys that fight for titles, they make 500,000 and then pay per views or whatever. So I could see this guy getting two two hundred fifty, no bonus. So he still has seven hundred fifty thousand to go before he reaches a million a fight. Yes, he's popular. Yes, when they show him on the jumbotron, he gets good pops. He is an exciting fighter. I like watching Sean O'Malley fight. I got to admit that. Um, but a million, like, bro, like, what do you think? I don't think he makes two fifty. I think that seems like a lot, but. Somehow he's been able, I don't know where he gets all this money, but he's able to kind of back up things he says. He's got a nice house. He's driving a badass car. He's giving away money at fucking Walmart. Like he's got to be getting good, good amount of money. And we yeah. all kind of laughed the first time he, he even talked about that. So 
uh, I just don't see a million though. That, that's just too much. Ronda they're, they're Rousey that, that give that kind of return. Yeah. Well, maybe down the road, maybe he'll be laughing at us. I don't know. Maybe, maybe if he goes three and zero in the next three fights, he might reach that. I don't know. I suppose if he became a champ or you started getting pay per view cuts, yeah, you're gonna reach a million. Ronda Rousey recently said there's only one fighter she'd come out for. It's Gina Carano. The only problem goes is Gina Carano hasn't fought since 2009. That's 13 years. I think Gina Carano's pushing 40 or, or she is 40. But um, she says it doesn't have to happen in the octagon. It can happen in the backyard. She says it's all respect. She said Gina's what got her into the, into the MMA space. Should this fight have been made maybe five years ago when Ronda maybe before she came back against Amanda or right after it, and maybe Carano didn't have another five years on her? Well, I think they did try, right, at one point. But it would have been interesting because Gina Carano always, at the time, this is kind of around the time she was doing a little bit more Hollywood, but she wasn't as big. She would always still seem like she was training and, I mean, if you look at what stopped Ronda Rousey, it was Holly Holm, right? And you could say Gina Carano probably could have done that, right? Stay on the outside, jab, kicks. She probably could have done that same game plan, and who knows? Maybe she could have caught Ronda. Um, but I do – I would have felt more comfortable if Ronda takes down Holly. I think Holly would have been safer than, than Gina. So uh, – but – it would have been a fun fight for sure. Yeah, I totally would have tuned in. Yeah. Well, she's 40 <laughs> now. If they had done this five years ago, 35 is definitely feasible. Would have been interesting. I don't know. I think Ronda has earned the opportunity to say stuff like that. But for sure, it sounds like she's definitely done. She's a mom. Everything seems to be either pro wrestling and she kind of already made her stamp in MMA. So. The last thing here is, what was it? Oh, so we have a couple things going on. Again. We have PFL4 on Friday, lightweights and light heavyweights. Check out our interviews with um, Roush, Manfio, and Jeremy Stevens. Manfio won the 2021, well, not tournament, regular season and playoff. And he's always just funny to interview. And then Jeremy Stevens, man, he... He was pretty raw and honest. You know, he knows. We didn't even say it. He knows he's on that streak. I think he's lost six in a row or something like that. But he's also beat some pretty damn good fighters. And he was slinging. It's just Clay, Clay Carter was just a little bit more accurate. He got hit a little bit less, and he hit Stevens a little bit more. But Clay Collar really has proper boxing experience. I think he has, like, 20 boxing fights. So to just box with Clay Collard, like, that's not an easy task. I think Stevens can come back. He's He's got the capability of getting an early KO, and that's what he needs because he has zero points. This is his last chance. Otherwise, goes he's out of the playoffs. Man, I can almost guarantee that's going to happen. Um, you know, like, I think the PFL is smart in the way they book fights, and I feel like this one uh, this one's going to benefit Jeremy, and I think he knows that he's going to be very aggressive. By the way, Dana White said somewhere along the line, I just didn't read the article, he says, Amanda Nunes is not that hungry savage she was when she started the world title run. 
And I am scared, goes, because I've been saying pies in my face if Juliana can hold her off. I'm expecting a Savage to show up, and hopefully that lit a fire under Amanda Nunez. If losing her title didn't light a fire under her, hopefully this did. Well, that's what I was going to say is I don't know that there can be a bigger fire lit under a person than, I mean, for her, she was kind of humiliated, you know? I think if she would have lost a close fight, it probably would have sucked. Yeah. But to get finished when you're when you're Amanda Nunes and you do what you do to other people, I think she was a little embarrassed. So I don't think you can light a bigger fire than that. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's close with this. An amazing turnout for Yuri Prochaska when he came back to his home country of Czech Republic. They said 7,000. It looked like 70. It was a sea of people, dude. Bravo to the Czechs for coming out and supporting their sportsmen like that. Valentina Shishchenko arrived at Kyrgyzstan, though she didn't have those kind of numbers. She kind of had a, a proper reception as well. Um, but pretty cool for those countries to to do that. You know, I I, I don't know. I was I, I know that would be something pretty rare in the United States. We kind of save that type of stuff for you know the 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 sports of the big four, the big four sports, I should say, football, baseball, basketball, hockey. But uh even our Olympic I mean, athletes don't get it. It was that, pretty really. cool. Yeah, you're right. It was I mean, pretty cool, man. Our our mother comes from a, a smaller country. And these, I mean, you know, other countries don't churn out athletes the way some of these major uh, countries do. So whenever they have somebody big like that, it, it's pretty damn big news, you know? Like Formula One drivers are, are super popular in certain areas that they come from. Uh golfers tennis you know like they they really love certain people because they just don't have that many of them yeah if you won a title and the country of peru want was wanted to claim you you know because you're part peruvian but you only had one day would you land in lima where the president would shake your hand and they've got a little bit more money to make things official or would you go, nah, I'm landing in an keep. I want to do this, you know, smaller town, but in front of family, you know, what, what would you choose? Arequipa. Yeah. The heartbeat. Plaza de Armas. Yeah. Cause they, they like, on a fire, job. Like, like on a fire truck or something. <laughs> yeah. They always get job. They have a nice stadium there. The, yeah. uh, the national team could play there, but Lima always gets it. So I would totally do that. Yeah. Um yeah, Valentina got one of those. She went to Manus Airport. Goes and I, believe it or not, have been in Manus Airport in Kyrgyzstan. So we know exactly where she went and uh <laughs> we're happy for her. Somebody asked why they didn't allow her to bring the Peruvian flag, but if you notice, I think all flags have just been off the off the table for now. Right. It's, it started, I think, with Russia and Ukraine back in London, and I think now it's just hey, look, let's just it's just cool, cool down for now, and uh, that's that. So, anyway, all right, folks, listen, we're going to get on out of here. Aside from the PFL show this on a Friday on ESPN, check out UFC on ESPN 37, I believe they're at. Yeah, 37 with Cater and Josh Emmett. That is a great fight in the featherweight division. I could see the winner really, really having a strong case to fight the winner of Alex Volkanovsky and and um, Ma- uh, Max Holloway, right? So they're going to be fighting 
on International Fight Week at UFC 276. I could see the winner of this fight possibly uh, doing that thing. Now, these fights will be on ESPN2, ESPN, ESPN+. They're kind of scattered around, right? They start at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern for the prelims. And then the main card starts at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. That one will be, that part of the card should be available on ESPN. Cerrone and Lausanne are your coming event. And your featured bout of the night is Kevin Holland versus Tim Means. I love that one, two, three punch. Should be fun. I love that that they've been, uh, Kevin Holland kind of referenced the interview with us and Tim Means. Those two seem like they're ready to go. Uh, Respectfully, but they seem they're ready to go. What did he say? I missed that. I know him (laughs) and Buckley were chirping at each other. Uh, just that you know enough about the talking. We're we're gonna fight if you, if if we talk we talk, but we're gonna fight. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a good one. I like it. I like both Holland and Means, and uh, like I said, Lazan, Cerrone. That one's overdue. It was supposed to happen in Arizona, so I'm looking forward to that. And then the featherweight title. Oh, sorry, fight is incredible. All right, folks. We're going to bounce on out of here. Keep it locked on MMA Junkie throughout the weekend. We got you covered. We got Matt Wells out in uh, Austin, Texas, and we will be probably covering from satellite the PFL card there in Atlanta, Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, for this three-week run. But regardless, we got all the re- we got everything covered for you here on MMA Junkie, so check it out. Check out Spinning Backlick at YouTube.com forward slash MMA Junkie video. That's where it goes, and I pop in every week. Along with our colleagues, we definitely love doing that. We took a couple weeks off because of COVID, but we're back. With that, we're out of here. Have a nice weekend. Go out there and be a champion.